Thanks for joining us on the Father's House podcast, where we are leading people into a growing relationship with Jesus. Want to learn more about us? Check us out online at thefathershouse.com. We'd love to stay connected. Now, let's go to this week's message. Well, good morning, Father's House. My name is Pastor Tim. I'm the Freedom and Care Pastor here. I'm very honored to serve on the platform today. Pastor Terry and Anita are away at a WAVE conference, sitting in with about 100 young pastors. Can you just see Pastor Terry in the room? And they're hanging on every word because of the wisdom that God has given him over the years. And then him taking in the passion and the excitement that they have. I mean, it's a win-win all the way around. We welcome you if you're joining us online today. We really appreciate it today. Hey, if you have your Bible, let's um, hold that up and let's say our Bible pledge this morning together. This is my Bible. It is the Word of God. It is life to me. Today I receive the Word. I confess. My mind is alert. My heart is receptive. I am obedient. I will never be the same in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, we say that week in and week out, and lately um, Jesus has really been dealing with me about that last line. I will never be the same. So we have to really believe that this morning, that by taking in his word, we will never be the same. So he doesn't want us to be the same as we were yesterday. He wants to move us forward. He wants us to grow closer to him, closer to fulfilling our destiny in him. And that's what we're going to continue to talk about today. Uh, We are in the middle of a 40-day spiritual boost. How's everybody doing with that? Okay, if you... you, uh, if you're saying, well, I missed 7.14 this morning, that's the first day. That's because it just didn't get published, but it is published now. For whatever reason, it didn't go out live, but it is on there now, so you can go ahead and go back and catch that up. And it's a good way for you to invite your friends to have them join you at 7.14 as a way for them to begin a devotional life. Of course, we're coming and we're not missing any of this series. We're coming every Sunday. We're bringing our Bibles. We're taking notes. If you need a sermon notebook to keep your notes in, we're giving them to you out in the foyer. Please pick one of those up. And this will cause us to have our notes all together so that we can go back and refer back to them. See, if all we're doing is taking notes and putting them on a shelf, then we're missing out on the going back and studying them. The next thing we're doing is we're all in a life group together, and I hope you're in a life group. Who all's in a life group out here? Life groups are going really, really well, and it's not too late for you to join one. You can still join a life group. The last thing that Pastor Terry challenged us to do is to be a good temple manager, a manager of our bodies, eating well, getting hydration, exercising, getting the proper rest. So we want to present the total package to Jesus. We're going to start today by talking about the the, um, definition of destiny. And this is Pastor Terry's definition of destiny is a really, really good one. So let's say this together, please. Destiny is the personalized life calling God has purposed and equipped you to fulfill in order to bring him the greatest glory and achieve the greatest growth of his kingdom. Along with that, our memory verse for this series comes from Revelation 3.8, and it comes from the message. Let's all say this together, too. I see what you've done. Now see what I've done. I've opened a door before you that no one can slam shut. You don't have much strength. I know that. You used what you had to keep my word. You didn't deny me when times were rough. 
And so we want to commit that to memory. The more scripture we commit to memory in those times when, when we just don't know what to say or we don't know what to think or we're struggling, that's when that scripture comes back. Committing scripture to memory is also good for our prayer life. It's good to pray scripture back to the Lord. So I just want to encourage you in that way today. Um, number three, endures to destiny. We're going to talk about a phenomenon that keeps us from fulfilling our destiny in Christ, and that's getting stuck in the doorway. And today we're going to look at some scriptural, biblical principles that will get you and I unstuck out of the doorway and move us through the door to destiny. So my friend Mark Thomas, who's also one of our freedom coaches here, shared this with me. Now let's see if you um, have ever had this happen to you. Have you ever gotten out of your chair in the living room and walked to the kitchen on a mission only to get to the kitchen and say, why am I here? What am I doing? Does that ever happen to anybody? It happens to me every now and then. There, well, Dr. Gabriel Radvansky from Notre Dame University discovered that this forgetfulness is common and it's caused by the doorway. Apparently, our brains, they create memories based on events, and our brains have also learned to associate spaces with events. We forget what was associated with the prior room when we are faced with the new room, and we stand there, stuck in the doorway, wondering what to do next. So along with this being a physical phenomenon, it's something that happens in our spiritual life, too. As we move from one place to the next, we find ourselves stuck in a doorway wondering what to do next. So this team that the doctor put together also learned in their subsequent research that if we're carrying things from one room to the next, then our brain builds a bridge from the old event to the new one that will include what we're carrying. So on the positive side, you're more likely to remember why you went to the kitchen if you're carrying the empty water glass that you want to fill. That makes sense, right? It's in my hand. I see it. I don't get stuck in the doorway. But what if on the negative side, what if things that we're carrying are counterproductive to our destiny? Things like hurts, habits, hang-ups. Could these things or past life events keep us stuck in the spiritual doorway and keep us from fulfilling that destiny? Today, I want to talk to you about what is one of the biggest barriers that will keep you from God's destiny in your life. And that is the barrier to your future is allowing the past to keep you stuck in the doorway. See, in the doorway, we're in limbo. We're not moving forward. We're not going back. We're just hanging out there wondering what it is that we should do next. So today, we're going to look at how we can fulfill God's destiny despite any past poor decisions that we might have met. I meet people all the time who said, you know, Tim, kind of think I've missed my chance with God. I missed my dream, my destiny. I'm on plan B or C or D because I've really made a lot of mistakes. You know, I'm so messed up. I really don't deserve what God has for me next. Well, I want you to know if that's your thinking, you're wrong. And it's okay to be wrong today in that situation because God says to you, that he has a dream that he has placed inside of you, a destiny that is inside of you, and it does not matter what you've done. It only matters where you're going. Today, we are going to learn how to get out of the doorway. Luke 19 and 10, Jesus said this, that I came to save and to restore that which was lost. See, when you and I make poor decisions, we lose things. We lose our vision. 
We lose our dignity. We lose our identity. We lose our confidence. We lose our joy. We lose our peace of mind, our plans and our dreams and our hopes. You may be sitting here today saying, wow, I fall into one of those categories. I don't feel very confident. I haven't been joyful in a while. And definitely with everything going on around me, I feel like I could use more peace. Well, you are in the right place today because through the transformational power of the Holy Spirit, we are going to learn how to reclaim these things in our life. Again, the whole reason that Jesus even came to earth was to recover and to restore that which was lost. And part of what he wants to restore in you today is the original dream of destiny that God has for you. The original dream. Say that with me. The original dream of destiny. He's got that for you today. See, God hasn't moved on to plan B in your life. He is still on plan A, the reason that he created you. He still has the original dream of why he made you, regardless of what's happened in your life, what other people have done to you, hey, what people have said against you, what you've done to yourself, and dumb to poor decisions that we all make from time to time. So how do you live God's dream despite poor decisions? I want us to look at some steps today because the Bible is going to give us a very clear pathway on how to get back on track, how to get back to the original dream that God has planned for you. The first step in recovering God's dream for our lives is to honestly accept responsibility for our poor choices. We just own up. That's where we start this morning. We just kind of stand up and say, I honestly accept responsibility for all the dumb choices that I've made in life. Too many of us have found a comfortable chair in the blame zone doorway and then complain that we can't reach our destiny because it's so easy to blame us not moving forward on things that have been done, on things people have said to us, on things others have done. But today, we just want to take responsibility and say, I did it. I'm going to let it go, and I'm going to move forward. There's many examples I can give you in Scripture on making poor choices. I'm going to look at one today, and it's the time when Peter denied Jesus Christ the night before he goes to the cross. Peter makes three really poor choices. He denied his friend, his Savior, three times. But he does it for very four very common reasons, and we're going to look at those reasons today and see if any of us kind of get stuck doing those also. And these are all going to be taking place in Mark 14. The very first thing that causes us to make poor choices is pride. The Bible says that pride causes us to make dumb decisions. We see this in the upper room. Jesus is there with his closest disciples. They're having the Last Supper. It's what we celebrated today, the Lord's Table. He looks at them. These are his boys. His, 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 these were his people. For three and a half years, they were together. And he looks down the table, and he says, one of you is going to betray me. Mark 14, 29, Peter says this, everyone else may stumble, but I will not. They may stumble in their faith, but not me. See, he's being set up by the devil right now because of his pride. The Bible says, excuse me, if any man thinks he's not going to fall, take heed, because he probably will. The people who brag about their confidence are the most, are the ones that are most likely to stumble. Again, Peter says, Lord, everybody else may fall away from you, but not me. I'm with you. He makes this out of pride, and we see where this is going to lead him. 
So anytime I think that I'm a hot shot or that I'm better than somebody else or that I have it all together, I'm just kind of dead in the water at that point in time. I lose everything because I am capable of sin just as you are. I'm one step away from sin. I'm one day away from not being on my knees enough to fall into that same temptation. So together today, we want to move past that pride and making decisions out of pride. The second cause of making poor decisions in life is fatigue. Have you ever been just so tired, you're worn out at the end of the day, and there's just one more thing you got to do, and you just can't seem to get it right, whether you're trying to fix something and it just won't go right, or maybe you're trying to pay the bills, bounce a checkbook, and you, your, your mind just can't concentrate. See, Vince Lombardi, the great um, Green Bay Packer coach, said this, fatigue makes cowards of us all. The more fatigued you are, the more fearful you tend to be, and the more controlling you tend to be, and the worse you, you make worse decisions when we're tired. See, Jesus, the night before he was arrested, he goes to his, or right before he was arrested, goes to his favorite place to pray. Let's pause there just for a second. Do you have a favorite place to pray? Just let you think about that one. We're going to move on. For Jesus, it was the Garden of Gethsemane. He's there, and he brings Peter, James, and John with him. Again, these were, these were his three kind of best friends out of the 12, if we want to put it that way. And he says, guys, I don't even really need for you to you know, do anything. He says, watch and pray. I just need for you to be with me, support me, be here with me. Well, you know the story. They fall asleep. Jesus comes back, and in Mark 14, 37, he wakes up his guys, his boys, and he says, couldn't you stay awake with me for just one hour? All I'm asking for is one hour. They were fatigued. They were tired. They made a poor choice. The third reason that people make bad decisions is following Jesus at a distance. This one will probably get you in as much trouble as any of the others. When we know we're supposed to be over here closer to Jesus, but we're hanging back here because we still got a couple of those little areas in our life that we just don't want to submit to him. A couple of those things where we just want to hang on because it feels good to us, it's comfortable, and I'm just not quite ready to give those to you. So I'm saved, I got my fire insurance, but I'm not fully committed. See, when we follow Jesus at a distance, we're going to make dumb decisions. We have to be purposeful in getting close to, as close to God as we can every single day. Think about it. It's the same with your friends and especially our spouses. We want to be as close to them as we can, and we want them to be as close to us. Jesus is saying the same thing. He's like, I'm right here. I'm not going anywhere. Why do you keep drifting away from me? Why do you keep pulling back from me and then wondering about what's going on in your life, wondering why you can't fulfill the destiny that you have? Come back. Get closer to me. There's an old song he used to say, darling, if you want me to be closer to you, get Closer to me, that's right. I can kind of see God up there, Jesus saying the same thing, calling down and saying, Tim, dude, if, you know, I want you to be close to me, so come on. I'm already close to you. I haven't gone anywhere at all. So think about the reasons for you. I'm a Christian, but I'm following God at a distance because. I'll just let you fill in that blank today if that pertains to you. The fourth reason that people make bad decisions is fear of disapproval. When we start worrying about what other people think. 
And I think this one is, is greatest when we start thinking about our destiny. What will somebody think if I tell them that God is inspiring me to start a business? They're going to say, you have no business background. How are you going to do it? People always want to say, well, how are you going to do that? And, you know, are you trained to do that or this or that? And so we hold back on what we think people are going to say about us. We have some young people out here who, who are saying, you know, I, I think I want to be a teacher, and, but I don't know if I can. If God's telling you to do that, then you should do that. Some of you may have had this spoken over you when you were younger. You'll never amount to nothing. You're no good. I want you to get that thinking out of your mind because in Christ Jesus you are made anew and it doesn't matter what was spoken over to you as a young person or it doesn't matter what was spoken over to you yesterday, you can fulfill your destiny. See, Peter was so worried about the disapproval. He was also a little scared for his life here that Mark 14, 71 tells us this, that when they said, hey, You're one of of Jesus' followers. You're one of his boys, right? He started to curse and say, I don't even know this man you're talking about. And the Bible says that the rooster crowed three times. See, Peter makes a bad decision because, number one, he let his pride set him up. Number two, he was fatigued. Number three, and I really think this was the big one, he followed Christ at a distance. And number four, he was scared what people would say to him. Now, I don't want to just pick on Peter because he makes an easy target here in the Bible, right? We weren't there, right? We didn't walk in his shoes. We'd all like to say, I'd have stood right next to Jesus and took whatever he took. But, you know, um, we've all made some decisions where we haven't honored Christ as much. So today, as we think about those decisions, I want to give you a very interesting point that like Peter and like us, Jesus isn't, dis- isn't surprised by any of the decisions that we make, whether they're good or bad. He knew in advance that, G- that Peter was going to betray him because he's God. He tells him, Peter, before the rooster crows three times tomorrow morning, you will deny me three times. Excuse me. Here's what he says. Look at the next verse. Jesus isn't surprised by our failures in life. Luke 22, 31 and 32, Jesus says, Simon Peter, Satan has asked to test you, but I have prayed for you that your faith will not fail. Jesus has already prayed for him. And then I love this next part. When you have repented and recovered. See, Jesus knew he would come back. This is after you've denied me. I want you to strengthen the other disciples. This is such a powerful verse that teaches us a lot about our failures. Because first, I want you to know that Jesus knows every failure in your life before it happens. It's not like, oh man, I didn't see that one coming. It's not like he woke up this morning and said, wow, Tim, I didn't see that anger coming out of you. Or I didn't see those decisions that you made back when you were a teenager or back in your 20s. Oh man, that one really threw me. I don't think I can let you fulfill your destiny. No, he already knew. And you know what? He already prayed for me that my faith would not fail. The things that, that, that we're all going to fail at, whether it's today, next week, next month, or next year, or 10 years from now, Jesus has already prayed for us. He says, I know what's going to happen, and not only that, I've prayed for you. And then this great, the, the next part is so great. When you have repented and recovered, 
See, it's his desire for us to get past our past, to not get stuck in the doorway. The second step to recovering God's dream for you and for me today is after I honestly accept responsibility, I humbly ask for God's mercy and his forgiveness. I want to recommend that you learn and or you read and then learn Psalm 51. This is David's prayer of confession after he had um, the captain of his guard killed and stole his wife. Two big sins in one, adultery and murder. But see, again, they prayed for David, right? Okay, Jesus wasn't physically on earth there, but I don't think it doesn't say that in the Old Testament he didn't pray. So David was already prayed for, and, they, and God knew that David would recover. And so when you've really messed up, what I want you to do is pray Psalm 51, verses 1 through 3, verse 6, and verse 10. And what you'll see there as you go home and read this this afternoon is that David promises to do to God the very thing that Jesus tells Peter to do when he was restored. Jesus says, Peter, I know you're going to blow it, but when you come back, I want you to help other people with what you've learned from your mistakes. I want you to take the pain that you have, and I want you to help somebody else recover. Who better than to help somebody through a broken relationship than somebody who's been hurt in a relationship? Who better to help somebody through maybe trouble in business than somebody who's had trouble with their business? Who better to help somebody with an addiction than somebody who's been through an addiction and has been changed by the transformational power of the Holy Spirit? See, God says to you today, your past is part of the plan that I want to use. Even the bad parts of your life will be used for good. See, there's no, re no reason to walk into that kitchen and get a glass of water if you're not already thirsty. If you haven't gone through something to make you thirsty, you don't need new water and you haven't drank the water already, and so the things that we've gone through, you're going to go through pain in this life. I mean, that's simple, right? If there's anybody here that's never gone through anything painful, please see me afterwards and teach me a little bit. I please would like to learn that. But the difference between believers and non-believers is this, that even though we all have the same kind of pain, believers use it to help others. We use it for good. We redeem it. God says, that's all I want to do today. God doesn't care about the source of your problems. He says, I'll still use it for good in your life. See, there was even a time when as a ministry, the father's house was stuck in a doorway. In the process of building this great building we have next door, the Impact Center, an engineering mistake was made that put the building on hold for a long time. We were stuck in the doorway. We couldn't knock it down and start over. We had too much money invested in it. But we couldn't move forward either. So it would have been easy just to blame others, the engineer, the inspector, the contractor, da 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 Just keep blaming others and miss the dream that God had to touch lives and to touch families. We could have even moved on and said, well, you know, we'll just never open a center for kids. We'll use it for storage. We could use a little extra storage around here. So um, we could just have this great big storage area. But you know what? Our, our, our pastoral team at the time, Pastor Terry, Pastor Anita, our elder team, and our, uh, our, our board of directors looked at the next generation and how much they needed, and they needed us to walk through that doorway so that God could help us live out the purpose that he had for that building. 
And now, today, we celebrate the fifth year anniversary of Kid City Learning Center. And we are learning out the, living out the destiny that God planned. Come on over here, Lisa. I want to introduce to you Lisa Humphreys. She is our Kid City Learning Center administrator, and she's going to share. But before she does, if you have ever worked at Kid City, volunteered for Kid City, attended Kid City, had a child attend Kid City in the last five years, we want to stand today. We just want to honor you guys today. We just say thank you for being a part of wow, everything that, that we have done here. Look at this. Wow, this is amazing. So Lisa's going to share a little bit with us. Good morning, everyone. Good morning. Good morning, Maria. <laughs> um, as we've been talking about destiny over these last few weeks with Pastor Terry, and I've been reminiscing through these pictures that we're sharing with you now, um, I was reminded over and over again how perfect God's plan is for our life. You see, it was no accident a little over five years ago, I was sitting in the chair right about there in the middle where Kim is sitting, and I was looking for a career change. And I was saying, God, please tell me what it is that you want my destiny to be in this new, in this new life. You know, I wasn't even going to come to church that Sunday that my job wow. was announced. Wow. I think that was God's plan a little bit. I don't think it's any accident that the very first baby that we had at Kid City Learning Center was Easton Tate, and his mom turned out to be Amber, our director, with years and years of preschool Great. experience, and she's led us to where we are today. She was the perfect person for that role. I have to know, I have to believe that God knew what he was doing when Dr. Reed and Bear moved to the villages with her 40-plus years of educational experience that she was going to be able to bless us with as we grew this ministry. Our enrichment programs at Kid City, they're the heart of what we are. They are so important to our culture. And God has put each one of those in place for us. Miss Brenda, our very own Miss Brenda, who loves to garden, gets to teach our children about gardening. Miss Mary, with her years of gymnastics experience, she gets to share that with our kids. Miss Shayla teaches Spanish to our children. One of our most important ones we have is Wednesday worship where we get to sing and dance and learn about him. And we teach our kids that they are not too young for God to use them. Very important. And let's not forget the Keller family. We would not have Miss Sharon as our music teacher, as you see her in this picture with the big floppy hat on, if they hadn't already been in relation with Miss Sharon through her kinder music program. So God works all of those things out for his glory. There's so many families sitting here today that started as Kid City Learning Center families, and they're now an integral part of the Father's House, of our ministries here. We have staff who came from other states to join our team, from other ministries, even from other countries, and they're making a difference in the lives of our kids today. I have to tell you a little story. In the beginning of Kid City, when I had to get there really early in the morning to welcome our families, I would take this Bible with me, and in the impact center, there's some stairways that go up the front. And I would climb about halfway up one of those stairs, and there's a little ledge. And I would stand up there, and I would pray Jeremiah 29, 11, over and over and over again. God, you know the plans. These are your plans, and they're going to work together for good. I want to share with you this morning that Jeremiah 29, 11 is so powerful because of verse 12 and 13. It's a promise that he gives us to go along with that. 
It says, for I know the plans I have for you. They are plans for good and not for disaster, to give you a future and a hope. Verse 12, in those days when you pray, I will listen. Verse 13, if you look for me wholeheartedly, I will find you. I'm so thankful that I got to be the person that the leadership of the Father's house and God picked for this to be my destiny to birth this ministry. As I look back over, I can't even imagine um, all the things that God has done that we don't even know about during these last five years and the things that are going to happen as we move forward with this ministry. I always come back to our very first memory verse for Wednesday worship, and that was, God's plan is perfect. Amen. Thank you, Lisa. Thank you very much. I think it's so fitting that Lisa ended up with that memory verse, God's plan is perfect. Because God is saying to you today, especially speaking to somebody very, right now, he's telling you, my plan for you is perfect. Why do you keep walking away from it? Why won't you move forward? So as we finish up the teaching today, I want you to keep that in your spirit. Because as we move and as we help families corporately, there's also individually God helps, wants us and expects us to use our pain to help others. Part of the philosophy of our Celebrate Recovery program is you're not recovered till you're helping someone else. You cannot recover from your pain until you're helping somebody else with their pain. Are you helping anybody with the pain that you've gone through in your life? God doesn't want us to waste the hurt. See, we can always help more people with the struggles that we've gone through. If I get up here and I tell you all the good things that I've done, then you'd be like, okay, Tim, you weren't listening to the first part of your teaching on pride. But if I get up here and I can share with you, and some of you kind of know my story a little bit, the things that I've went through and the place where, where God said, okay, it's okay that, that, that you did that. It wasn't what I wanted for you, but I can still use you. I'm still going to use you. And now he uses the, the past hurts that I've had, the past hurts that I've been involved with other people to help people get free and to help them heal today. And that's really what we want. But you may be sitting out there saying, well, you know, Tim, that, that's all well and good, but right now I'm in so much pain. I have something going on inside of me. I'm hurting so bad. And if that's you today, I want to encourage you to show up tomorrow night. Monday nights at 6.15 is our Celebrate Recovery program. Please come in. It is run by a great group of people who have been where you've been. They're still in recovery because they're helping you recover. And they just want to see you be free. And they want to see you get healthy, not only for yourself, so that you can help others. Celebrate Recovery is a great program. Please come out 615 tomorrow night. The third step in recovering God's dream for us is to grace, gratefully accept God's grace and forgive myself. See, Ephesians 1 one in seven says, Christ sacrificed his lifeblood to set us free, which means that our sins are now forgiven. His blood shed to cover every sin you've ever done and every future sin that you've done. Romans 8.1 says there's no condemnation for those who belong to Jesus. You may be sitting there thinking, but I'm supposed to feel guilty. I was brought up that way. When I do wrong, I'm supposed to be guilty. But you know, when we indulge ourselves prolonged in that guilt we are really just saying that um you know jesus's blood wasn't enough 
That wasn't enough for the, to pay for my sins. I have to do now something else to do that more. I know sometimes it's hard to forget yourself, but I don't want, or to forgive yourself. I don't want you to get caught up in this moment where you doubt that your salvation was not fully paid for and that you have to pay for it yourself. See, you can stop nailing yourself to the cross because Jesus already was. He was hung up for your hang-ups and for mine today also. Too many of us have found a comfortable chair in the shame zone doorway and then complain that we cannot reach our destiny. Past sin does not invalidate God's destiny for my life because God's goodness isn't based on my performance. It's based on the fact that he gives me grace and mercy. Titus 3.5 says this, Jesus saved us not because of the good things we did, but because of his mercy. Every good thing I have in my life is because of the grace and the mercy of Jesus Christ. But to fully accept my forgiveness, I must have to generously forgive others who have hurt me also. See, it's easy to want forgiveness, but we have to remember to offer forgiveness also. Because grief, guilt, and grudges can keep us stuck in a doorway. Let me say that again. Grief, guilt, and grudges will keep you stuck in a doorway. Matthew 6, 14, and 15 says this. If you forgive those who sin against you, your heavenly Father will forgive you. But if you refuse to forgive others, your Father will not forgive you of your sins. See, you've got to let go of your grudges, including forgiving other people. You forgive them because you go and you say this, I'm going after God's destiny in my life. Even if you don't think they deserve your forgiveness, hey, we didn't deserve Christ's forgiveness. So we just offer that same grace and mercy that Christ has given to us. And I want you to walk through the door to your destiny today. I want you to move through the doorway. I want you to give up the past, the things that are holding you back. Isaiah 43, 18 and 19 says this, Forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. See, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I'm making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. Your past is your past. Let it go. In the next year, we'll be launching a life group dealing with this. We're going to be launching freedom groups that are designed to allow the transformational power of the Holy Spirit to heal us from some of those things that are keeping us stuck in the doorway and keeping us from moving forward. Um, Mark, who um, helped me um, out and shared those things about getting stuck in the doorway, he gave me a few more thoughts, and I want to leave them with you today. The application that he, that he said to me was this. We can find the doorways God offers us a bit scary. Sometimes it's a little frightening to move forward because we're comfortable with this. Up here, we don't know. As we move through the doorway, we don't know exactly what's on the other side. And so we get comfortable sitting here. And sometimes it's hard to give up that, that, that certainty and that comfort for something that we may not know. What if? What if this happened? Jesus is just saying, walk with me. It doesn't matter. I will be with you. See, Jesus is both inside of us and inviting us through the door. He's what we carry. Remember carrying the water through the door? Well, he's what we carry through the door that helps us. It connects our old life with our new life with new meaning. Travis put it to me like this today, and I thought this was really, really good. Travis is my buddy. We talk a lot, 
and I'm going to kind of get to live tactically, vicariously through Travis as he shares some of the things that he does. And keep our law, law enforcement officers in your prayers, please, all right? We just need to keep them in our prayers today. So he put it to me like this. Don't be afraid to walk through the doorway because the door, going through the door and getting into that next room may be the safety and protection you need from what Satan is trying to do to you. See, at the doorway and in the hallway, that's where we're most vulnerable. That's where the Satan's darts are coming at. Travis was telling me, you know, if they have to clear a house, that's the most dangerous part is the hallway and right in the doorway. Once they get in the room, they know how to clear it. So he's saying walk through, not only physically in his job, but spiritually. Maybe the best thing for you, the safest place for you, is to step into that new doorway. He also was telling me that the weight of the things that they carry is, is they carry it for their protection. Everything that they've got on them is to help protect them. And he said that's the exact same way with us in our spiritual life. It's the weight of the things that we carry that God is going to use as we walk through the doorway to fulfill our destiny and to bring others into their destiny. See, old wounds become the means of connecting people in pain and freedom from old sins becomes the doorway by which others can come to know Jesus and his freedom. I hope that encourages you today to walk through the doorway. I started with Peter and his big failure today. But see, after Peter failed, Jesus went out of his way to affirm him. On Easter morning, the Bible says this, that the angel said to the woman, Jesus is alive. He is risen. Now go tell the disciples, and especially Peter. I think that's probably my single most favorite verse in the Bible. Because I always read it like this. Go tell the disciples and Tim that it's okay. And then 50 days later, that's the guy that God chooses to preach on the day of Pentecost. On the first day, the church was formed and 3,000 people were saved. Christ chose the biggest failure for the greatest message. Why did God make sure that Peter was mentioned by name? Because he was the one that was carrying the most guilt from two nights before. Go tell my disciples and tell Peter, I love that guy. Yeah, he blew it. He blew it. Whew, he really blew it. But I love that guy. He said, it's okay, Peter, all is forgiven, come home. He singles out Peter, who was the biggest failure, to tell him how much he loved him. Would you bow your heads with me this morning? Today, Jesus is saying that to you. He's saying that to you online, sitting at home today. Go tell my disciples. Go tell the Father's house. Go tell Leesburg. And, and he's calling your name today. He's saying it's okay. doesn't matter what you've done, what you think you've done. i got a better life for you. Go tell my disciples. And he's tugging on your heart today. So if that's you today and you feel him calling your name, maybe for the first time, or maybe you're saying, I'm straight off that path. I went through too many other doorways. He's saying, come on back. Come on home. Go tell my disciples. And. If that's you today, would you just slip up your hand? I just want to pray for you today. I just want to say a prayer and just welcome you back into the kingdom today. If that's you at home, we want to say a prayer. and We're all going to say this together because we want to support those that may be saying this prayer. So if you'd say this with me, dear God, thank you for my destiny. I want to submit my life 
to your son. I accept his forgiveness. And I know he died on the cross for me. I want to let go of my past and walk through my door of destiny and help others walk through their door. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. It's our honor to play a small part in all that God is doing in your life. We would love to continue with you on that journey. To find out what your next steps might be, visit thefathershouse.com slash next. Join us next week as we continue to love God, help people, and build the kingdom.